I did something a little embarrassing a few weeks ago. Now, to some people, this might not be really embarrassing, but to me particularly, it was particularly embarrassing. My little Telstar ran out of fuel. Now, that may have happened to you, I don't know, but it's the first time it's ever happened to me in the last 22 years driving. And I've spent those 22 years going, how on earth could anyone ever run out of fuel? You can run out of windscreen rider for fluids, you can even run out of oil and the car will still go for a little bit. Um, but fuel, it's, it's not even going to go. So why would, you, why would you get close to the line, get you know, even to that near point of getting close to running out of fuel? Because it's a no-brainer, it's really obvious. And yet here I am on Clyde Road, I wisely decided not to take the freeway on-ramp because I realised I was going to be, in, as I was running out of fuel and I knew I was, it would be better to push my car over the bridge, uh, over the freeway at you know, 11 o'clock at night or whatever it was, feeling pretty stupid and thinking to myself, wow, <laughs> what an idiot. And, uh, and I could come up with any number of excuses of why it happened, but the thing is, a car needs fuel. It's not going to go without fuel, and I cut that too fine. I cut it really fine, and clearly, uh, you know, whatever excuse I want to come up with, yeah, it was a really embarrassing circumstance. When it comes to the, the message series that we've been talking about, we've been doing a series called, or, or looking at a theme called Simply Follow Me. We started, or looked a couple of weeks ago at there only being one way, that God has one way and one, one way, and his way is the best way. And we can look at um, his word and the significance of his word. We can study these things and we can look at these things, but when it comes to being Christ followers, when it comes to actually following Jesus, it all is absolutely useless without the Spirit. It's like having that car with no fuel in it. We can talk about how awesome the wheels are. We can talk about how comfortable the seat is. We can talk about how amazing the fluffy dice in the middle is. Whatever it is that's awesome about your car becomes completely insignificant if there's no fuel in it. In fact, you can, in, you can get in your car and you can push it. As I discovered when I got to the top of the bridge, you can get up enough speed to actually roll the car down the hill, down the other side. It's like, woohoo, I'm moving, this is awesome. But that's only going to take you so far. And then you're going to have to get out and push again. And sadly, some people's Christian walk is actually like that. They have to get out and push their car constantly because they've missed a significant portion of what the design of following Jesus looks like. And that is the car's got to have fuel in it. And without the fuel, the car is hard work to get moving. It's, it's more labour than it's worth. And if you looked at the car without fuel in it, you kind of go, I'm not really interested. And I get that. I understand that because... It's not fun. There's, there's nothing going for it if you've got to push the car around. That's just hard work. And so this morning, I want to look at a couple of passages that Jesus said about the Spirit. Um, really significant passages, because without this part of the puzzle, without this part of the picture, there's, there's no use talking about freedom. There's no use talking about salvation. There's no use talking about hope. There's no use talking about our identity in Christ. Because all of those things rely on the fact that it's the spirit that is the power that makes those things happen. So we can talk till the cows come home about how awesome the car looks, but without the fuel, 
the car is not going anywhere. And you might realise I've, um, I've not been, the last couple of weeks I've not been putting the Bible verses up on the screen. There's a reason for that. And last week I talked about the word and the significance of the word. I actually prefer a mobile phone. I know some people think that's not the traditional right way of reading the Bible. There's a whole heap of little tools and versions and I get to look at a whole bunch of different things when I read through my phone. But what I really encourage you to do is whether it's on your phone or a physical Bible, I want this time to be a bit interactive. I want this time that we spend together now to actually be something that you wrestle with what I'm talking about. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just take whatever I've put up there, but to actually grab the word out and look at it. There might be, you might be inspired to have other words or other passages that come to mind that relate to it. And in fact, I'm even going to go as far as to say, feel free to ask questions. I know that's traditionally not what we do in this space, but I would love us to get to a place where we're comfortable with each other and we're able to actually ask questions or say, I didn't understand that, or could you tell me that verse because I can't read it up there, or whatever it might be. So the first one is John 14, 15 to 17. So Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world at large cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you do because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So Jesus, at this point, is starting to prepare people, starting to prepare them for what's coming up. He knows what's coming up. They don't. If you go down into chapter 16, there's a bigger slab I want to, uh, want to read through. It's verses 1 to 15. So this is kind of in the same, he's chatting with his disciples and he's, he's kind of leading up to the cross. This is where we're going. I've told you these things so that you won't fall away. For you will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing God a service. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember I warned you. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And none of you has asked me where I'm going. Instead, You are very sad, but it is actually best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the counsellor won't come. If I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convince the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is unbelief in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the prince of this world has already been judged. Oh, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not be presenting his own ideas. He will be telling you what he has heard. He will be telling you about the future. He will bring me glory by revealing to you what he receives from me. All that the Father has is mine. This is what I mean when I say that the Spirit will reveal to you whatever he receives from me. So you can see he's got a bunch of grieving people. He's got all his his disciples that have kind of 
committed themselves for the last three years to him. And he's at the point of going, we're nearing the end. We're nearing the end of this journey of this season. And he's talking about the end and they're going, hang on, what is life going to be like without you? How are we possibly going to live without you amongst us? Like that just doesn't make sense. How can we follow someone who we can't follow anymore? And so Jesus in this small passage or these two small bits actually unpacks a lot of stuff that's really significant for these people. And what he's unpacking is what's happening next. And that is he's sending an advocate, a counsellor. The word is paraclete. It's not used that often in scripture, but it's this idea of someone that comes along beside and encourages and comforts and advocates and counsels. It's like an aide, a supporter. He says, I'm sending another one. In other words, like him. He's saying, you've already got a counsellor, you've already got me, but there's actually another one that's coming. And that is what the Holy Spirit is. He also makes it clear that this spirit is going to dwell in us. He was talking about the fact that he was with them and you experience me here with you, but when the spirit comes, he will dwell in you. In John 7, 38 to 39, it says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scripture declares river of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, who is speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So you can see this, I'm with you now, but there's something coming when I go back to the Father. And in Joel 2, 28 to 29, it says, Then, after doing all those things, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your all old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on servants, men and women alike. So this is the spirit that dwells in us. He says that this spirit is going to be a teacher. He's going to teach you, and he's going to remind of you of everything that Jesus taught. Now, he also says in there, which is really interesting, there's other things I'd like to tell you, but you wouldn't handle it right now. And it's a really interesting line that would mess with my head. I wouldn't like that very much. It's like, hang on, just a minute. You've got more to say, but you're not telling me. And we've got to recognise that, that the Spirit continues to teach, continues to reveal, continues to bring things that maybe we couldn't handle yesterday, but today we're ready for it. So there's that sense of, of giving us what we need when we need it. He talks about the fact that the Spirit's going to convict and expose and, and reveal sin. So often we, we get frustrated and, and, and I use the phrase, you know, want to give someone a spiritual slap across the face. We look at things that aren't right and it's like, hang on, that's not my job, that's the Spirit's job. Jesus has said that the Spirit will convict. He also then says, guide into all truth. Now this is really interesting because Again, it's not just convicting to get people to the point of salvation, but it's about all truth. It's about journeying past that point into the plans and purposes, into the revelation, into the things that God wants us to, to know, to understand. It's, it's not just understanding our sin and accepting Jesus. It actually continues well past that. He talks about the fact that the Spirit speaks on behalf of Jesus and the Father. 
He doesn't speak of himself. He speaks, he represents them. And he also then says that he will glorify Jesus. His role is to bring glory to Jesus. And it's fascinating that Jesus had to go for the Spirit to come. Because before Jesus had been raised up, lifted up, raised from the dead, he hadn't yet been glorified. And so the Spirit was glorifying Jesus before his time. So by him going up to the Father meant that the Spirit could then say, now I can represent Jesus. I can represent the glorified Christ, as we read in that um, passage in, I read before in John 7. The, uh, the thing is, this little snapshot's not everything that we see from Jesus about the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's referenced a lot in the Gospels. There's a lot of references to the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of times where, where we see Jesus uh, healing in the power of the Holy Spirit. We see the dove coming down like the Holy Spirit being poured on Jesus like a dove. There's lots and lots of passages that you can see little snapshots of who the Holy Spirit is through Jesus' ministry. And in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The thing is, when we look at this list, and this list could go on, we could write more about this list, there is a sense that we've heard all this before. There's nothing new here. This is all very familiar. Anyone that's been in, in church for a while, anyone that's, that's journeyed, there's, there's no surprises here. There's nothing unusual here. And yet, when we look at the way the model's meant to work, it often doesn't fit together. Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And in Matthew 7.20, he says, Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So like the car model, to know that the car works, it's not much use not driving it. It's so funny, I've seen a couple of times, where I used to work, there was a guy clearly had too much money, and he had a man cave across the, off, across the road in, uh, in Richmond, Cremorne. And if you saw the roller doors up, you see he saw his collection of cars and motorbikes, and his bar was amazing, and all the drinks behind the bar were phenomenal. And, you know, randomly every couple of months, he'd have a bunch of mates over who also had similar cars would come, and they'd hang out together in his, his massive warehouse man cave. But the funny thing is, is watching those people drive their cars and watching him when he first got there drive his cars in because there was a slight little ramp up into, into the warehouse and he would very slowly and meticulously start with one wheel and ease it up and then start, move over to the next wheel and ease it up because he was really concerned about these super lowered cars that they might scratch the underside of it. And I've seen other people go over, over speed humps the same way like very carefully, just... And I know people that don't drive their cars where there's speed humps because they might scratch the bottom of their car. And you think there's this $500,000 amazing beast of a vehicle that has to be very gently and carefully driven along. And you think, what a waste. It was designed for the exhilarating thrill of driving fast and all that stuff. I assume that's a thrilling thing. I've never actually done it. But you can see the intention 
behind what the design of it is, and yet the car's wasted because it's, it's not being used, it's not being exercised the way it was designed to. And so we get this little simple formula that these passages unpack. The Holy Spirit plus us equals fruit. Yeah? Simple? It looks simple, but it doesn't always add up. I don't know about you, but it doesn't always add up for me. There's times where this simple little picture doesn't always feel like it adds up. And when we look at that list of the things that Jesus mentioned, and we can, we can keep describing the Holy Spirit, we can keep, keep explaining and studying what the Holy Spirit's like, we get a fairly comprehensive list of things that the Holy Spirit does. We extend that and we can look at the gifts of the Spirit, gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit to us. And we look at the other side of the picture. Galatians 5, to 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I look at that and go, hmm, maybe sometimes I don't have the Holy Spirit because I don't exercise those things. I don't see those fruits sometimes. And the fruit actually is much more than just that. As you read through Scripture, you see the Holy Spirit being part of relating to God, part of our understanding of that we're a new creation and our identity. The Holy Spirit brings freedom. We hear about the Holy Spirit bringing life. There's purpose and hope. The idea of multiplying and and sharing the gospel is done through the Holy Spirit. The idea of eternal life and, and understanding that through the Holy Spirit. We've got all this stuff that we see and we look at both sides of that picture And to be honest, when I look at that, I think, maybe I shouldn't be in that equation. Maybe maybe I don't deserve to be there. Those things on that side are so big, and those things on that side are so big, and there's little me in the middle. But that's exactly what Jesus was talking about when he spoke to his disciples. The reason he was talking to them was because they were out of their depth. They're about to experience something they'd never experienced before. They're about to experience persecution. They're about to experience emotions and thoughts and feelings and experiences. That was going to challenge them. And it was into that space that Jesus said, I'm sending an advocate. And the challenge for us is not to look at this as a nice exercise to look at something out there. Because often that's what we do. We look at the Holy Spirit as something out there and we look at the fruit as something idealistic that we can't achieve. And we don't actually realise that it's only there because of us in the middle. That is the critical, important part of the picture is the fact that we're in it. The Holy Spirit has been sent for us. That's why that picture exists, because of us in the middle. And Jesus was saying to his disciples, do not be overwhelmed. Do not be consumed by these things that are going to test you. I have provided for you in that circumstance. I have an answer to your problem. I have an answer to your challenge. And so often we can get separated. We can pull this model apart and we can look at the separate pieces and treat it like an exercise to study something. And yet, it's actually something that's a gift for us, that's something that we need to 
embrace and engage with. The really interesting thing is, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we often talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. You would have heard that phrase. And, and in Scripture, it's often there. I love Stephen's, one of my heroes, full of the Holy Spirit. He went in and, and gave a serve to, uh, to the religious leaders of the time and got stoned for it. But it refers to his face being radiant and his words being really powerful. And we've got this sense of being full of the Holy Spirit. And the risk we take is that when we look at this model, we go, Holy Spirit plus us equals fruit. So no fruit, or, or let's say half fruit, means that I'm still there, so it must be half Holy Spirit. That's often how we think about this. And this is where the car analogy falls over, because the car can be half full of fuel and empty or whatnot. But Jesus actually says, John 3.34 says, God give the, gives the Spirit without limit. Without limit. So we often get caught with this mindset of going, I need more Holy Spirit because this equation doesn't work. I'm not seeing the fruit. And I would say you're wrong because the Holy Spirit's been given without limit. So the first exercise is to accept the Holy Spirit. If you haven't done that, please come and see me afterwards. I would love to pray for you, love to pray with you. And there's others too. You don't, it doesn't have to be me. But I would love you to experience the blessing it is, the way this was designed to be, by having the Holy Spirit as part of your life. But when you have the Holy Spirit, you don't get a baby portion of the Holy Spirit, and then maybe later on you get a big portion. You don't get in worship all of a sudden more Holy Spirit than you do when you're on the toilet. <laughs> right? It doesn't work that way because the Holy Spirit was given without limit. So what is this being full, being overflowing, being abundant with the Holy Spirit? How can we have this fullness when it's always full? What does that mean? And it's really significant because it's all about that, trust. So when you're struggling and we get together and pray for you, guess what? We're not praying for more Holy Spirit. Because you've got the Holy Spirit. If you've accepted the Holy Spirit, if you said, set me apart, Lord, I want, I want to be your servant. I want your spirit to move in my life. Guess what? You have 100% Holy Spirit. You have everything that God said he'd give you. Everything on that list that the Holy Spirit said he would do is yours at that moment instantly. The plus says, are you going to actually accept that? Are you going to actually Trust the Holy Spirit in that circumstance. And I know for my situation, it's not the Holy Spirit that causes me not to produce fruit. It's the fact that I don't trust the Holy Spirit in my walk. It's the fact that the first thing I think of when I'm frustrated and angry isn't, Holy Spirit, what should I do here? It's just, give me a moment. I'm enjoying this frustration or I want to just linger for a little bit because I need to vent for a little bit longer. Any number of things that could happen before I actually go to the Spirit. And what that's doing is it's undermining the very thing that is the answer to the problem. 
We've talked about prayer. We've talked about, you know, when you're sick, what do you do? You get, go get prayer. Go to your, Susan James, as Brad said this morning, go get someone to pray for you. The issue isn't the Holy Spirit in the picture. The issue is our trust of the Holy Spirit. And I think in our journey this year, I want the trust of the Holy Spirit to be front and centre. I think we have to, we need to, we must do that if we want to be healthy, if we want to grow, if we want to be fruitful, if we want to see transformed lives. If we want to see people in here living in victory, we have to trust the Holy Spirit. And I say that for myself because the idea that we are full of the Holy Spirit is actually there's no room for anything else. That's what being full of the Holy Spirit means. There is nothing that's got in the way. There's no room for anything else to be in that space because full of the Holy Spirit. And you think about Stephen, you think about that point at which he's gone, even the threat of death is not going to get in the way of me being obedient to what the Spirit's telling me to do. Even the threat of ridicule, of being stripped of my clothes and taken out, dragged outside of the city and stoned. There is nothing else in me other than the Spirit moving and working. And Jesus modelled that brilliantly. But the idea of being full of the Holy Spirit is the sense that we have given everything. There is no other space. And we use the word full in a number of contexts, and I can only think of negative ones. I'm sure there's positive ones. You, you think about the phrase, you're full of it, or I've had a gut full, right? It's when you've reached capacity. There's no more room. I've got to respond to this. I can't do anything else. And uh, in that sense, the Spirit, being full of the Spirit, is being at capacity. There is no more room for anything else. There's no confusion about who's in charge here. There's no confusion about whose authority I'm listening to. There's no confusion about where my hope comes from. There's no confusion about direction and purpose because the Spirit is everything. And I know for myself, I need to be accountable for this because it's not always the first place I go. Sometimes it's easy. If I'm doing message prep, then it's a no-brainer. You stop and you pray and you go, Holy Spirit, what, what do you want me to think about? What do you want me to read? What do you want me to prepare? But when I'm driving, when I'm annoyed at something that's going on, it's not always the first place I go to. A part of the purpose of this body is to keep ourselves accountable to that. Hey, Matt, what's the Spirit telling you right now? I really don't want to ask. No worries, that's fine. You go on your way and... You know, when you've fallen over a few more times and get yourself up, maybe then you'll want to ask. Oh, yeah, okay, thank you. I needed that. It's like, I'm frustrated. I don't know the solution here. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know the purpose. So what's the Spirit telling you? Constantly, everywhere, everything that we do, constantly coming back to what is the Spirit saying? Because if He's our advocate, if He's our encourager, if He's our counsellor, if he's the one that represents Jesus in us and it's been given in fullness, I don't need to get more Holy Spirit. I need to trust the Holy Spirit that's already been given. So I just want to pray. And I think sometimes when we pray, we ask for more Holy Spirit. I don't want to rebuke that because I want to just trust him more. And you know what? I don't even do that very well. And that's 
where the Holy Spirit can help me out. In my weakness, he's going to be my strength. In my inability, in my lack of faith, in my lack of trust, in my lack of boldness, risk-taking and, and moving where he wants me to move, even in that, he goes, it's okay, I will provide. You might have worked out a theme over the last few weeks. And the theme is, we trust and God provides. When it comes to the one way, we trust God provides. When it comes to the word, we trust God provides. And when it comes to the spirit, the way we're meant to exercise this stuff, the fuel that makes us live the lives we're called to, we trust and God provides. And it might sound repetitive. It might sound like you've heard it before. But if we don't understand this stuff, then we will be tossed around like, like in the waves. Every single teaching, every single challenge, every single thing that comes along will be a wrestle. It'll be hard work. Because the first place, if we don't go to the Spirit for the first place, then we're going to fight a battle that we're not meant to be fighting. We're going to face challenges we're not meant to be facing. And we're not going to have answers to those challenges if we're not asking the right person for those answers. Lord, I just thank you so much for the Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you have provided everything that we need. Lord, I admit sometimes I feel weak. Sometimes I feel like you're not there with me. And, that you have, and yet you have promised that you will always be there and that you will be there in abundance. And so, Lord, I just pray for each of us, Father, that in our weakness, in our questioning, in our doubt, Lord, that you will remind us that you are with us, that you will remind us that you have given us the power to do the things of Jesus and even greater things. Holy Spirit, I just thank you so much for your constant, constant provision. In spite of me ignoring you, in spite of me looking for other sources, Lord, you are still there. You still wait. You still want to give. You still want to restore. You still want to build. And Lord, I want that. We want that. Lord, we ask you to continue to remind us of what it is that you do, what it is that you provide. And Lord, we pray in those moments of weakness, we pray in those moments of questioning, of challenge, that we would come to you first. We pray that you would remind us of that. Lord, we thank you so much that you do provide the fullness of your spirit. And we ask, Lord, that we would trust. We ask, Lord, that you would provide trust where we don't have it and that we would exercise trust when we do have it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. What I want to do now is I want us all just to stand up. I just have a sense that there's always times and there's always places and maybe there's, you've, there's things that have come to mind that um, you've tried to do it your own way. So I have to stop that thought for a second. If you have never experienced the Holy Spirit and you don't know the Spirit's voice and the Spirit's leading and guiding, can I really 
just challenge you right now, not in a bad challenge way, but in an absolutely loving, wanting the best for you way. I'm going to get a couple of people to pray for you. It's not going to be up the front. It doesn't have to be up the front. But I just had that sense of grief of the idea of trying to drive a car without fuel in it and how tormenting that must be, how frustrating that must be. And I know I've, driven, I've tried to drive the car that way. And it is tormenting. It is frustrating. You do ask questions about whether this is worth it. You do ask questions about what the fruit in it is. And so if that is you, if you haven't experienced the amazing provision of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you want to, if you want to just put your hand up, because I'm about to pray a prayer that assumes that you're walking with the Spirit, and I, I don't want to assume that. That's too unfair. That's not, that's not fair. This is really significant. This is the most significant thing after giving your life to Jesus that you can experience. Is the provision that he equipped us with to live the life of knowing him. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is in you. And so what I'd love you to do is in this moment to ask the Spirit what you want to let go of. As a logical, rational person, this has probably been my biggest battle. I'm a control freak. I'm happy to consult the Holy Spirit, but then I'll make my own decision. I'm happy to take advice, but I don't want to let go. And there was a profound moment for me four years ago. I don't like singing songs in worship that I don't believe. And the bridge goes, when I don't understand, I choose you. And I could not sing those words. I couldn't honestly sing those words. Because when I don't understand, I want an answer. And if I don't get an answer, then I won't choose God unless I know. And I realized it started a process of going, God, I don't have to understand everything about you. I just have to understand what you're telling me. And out of that, you will provide. And so in this space, just have a conversation with the Spirit and just say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to let go of? What is it that I'm not experiencing your fullness because I do not trust you? because I'm not listening to you, because I'm not accepting the things that I am listening to? Is there anything in my life that I need to let go of? You don't have to dig up something that the Holy Spirit's not telling you, but if he's telling you, just spend a moment and let go of that. Holy Spirit, we worship you today. Holy Spirit, we want to say we love you today. And Holy Spirit, it's our heart's desire to say we trust you today. And Lord, we just ask you to speak to us. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear. But more than that, Lord God, we pray you would give us hearts to receive. Lord, you don't do this for yourself, you do it for us. And we are so grateful, Lord, that you do speak. Right now, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to bring revelation. 
bring understanding and bring words of knowledge, Lord. Lord, I pray where there's agitation and torment and, and frustration, Lord, I just pray your spirit would bring peace this morning. Lord, where there's self-loathing, where there's a sense of unworthiness, when we look at that list of the fruit and, and of what you do and just go, me in the middle, really? Lord, I just pray you just take that away in Jesus' name. Lord, you said you provide freedom for the captives. Life in abundance. New life. Rivers of living water that would flow out of us. That we would have power like Jesus and more than even what he did. So as we worship now, Lord, as we trust everything that you're calling us to trust right now, Lord God, we just praise you and we glorify you. We worship you. We acknowledge, Lord, that there is none like you in our lives. There is none more trustworthy that brings more hope or more purpose than you. Lord, we celebrate you. In Jesus' name.